Clean Tech Talk with Important Media, where we discuss the latest news in clean cars, clean energy, and clean technology. I'm Chris DeMauro, editor of Gas2.org. And I'm Zachary Shahan, director of CleanTechnica.com and EVObsession.com. And this is our sixth EV episode. Today we're talking about the Apple car, uh, which we got a lot more details on. We're talking about Elon Musk's statements about the Tesla Model 3. We're talking about the BYD Gigafactory. And we're talking about Uber using BYD taxis in Chicago. Uh, Let's start with the Apple car, Chris. Apple Insider posted a really uh, great story that I encourage everybody, you know, go check this story out because they have a lot of details. They went, they did some real good investigative journalism here. And what they've uncovered is that it appears Apple has formed a shell company called 68 LLC, which is supposed to be a marketing research company. And what they found is that this company has rented space in a campus devoted almost entirely elsewise to Apple. And that this appears to be the company that is working on the Apple car. Like it's a shell company for Apple and they're working on this Apple car. And it could end up looking like an old classic Fiat wagon thing um, from the 50s is basically where we're at. <laughs> yeah, the funny thing is, you know, when you look at the picture that you have in the in your article about it, I mean, that just... That looks so much like the Google self-driving electric car. It's it like, does, doesn't it's ridiculous. It? <laughs> it really, you know, you have to, you really need to take a picture, a look at the picture I posted on gas2.org because the, the Fiat 600 Multipla is the, is the vehicle we're talking on. It's basically this, this teeny tiny little post-war van thingy. It was used for by taxi services. It was used by businesses. It was just kind of an all-around runabout. It wasn't, fast it wasn't big it wasn't particularly beautiful but it was it was useful and and if anything apple knows how to create a simple beautiful useful design yeah and it's really cute but i mean those headlights i mean those headlights look just like the google self-driving prototype and that kind of cute face it's it's pretty funny but i mean you know maybe that's really what they they think is the future and i i love it i mean i'm a fan i think it's it's cool. Of course, it'd be nice to get some variation in these uh, future self-driving electric cars, but still, it's great. And there, was, there were other details um, Apple Insider found. you want to share some of that? Well, okay. So it appears that the 68 Research or the 68 LLC company, you know, supposedly a marketing research company, but they don't have much online presence. The facility they've rented in the, this Apple campus, this, this off-base Apple campus, they've, they've started installing like a garage and uh, major safety features that all seem to imply that there's some kind of automotive related work going on in there. All right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's not just market research. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the company, this, this, this company, they imported this Fiat 600 multipla. And as it just happens to turn out, Okay, Apple's um, chief of design there. Oh, what the hell is his name? Um, Tony Ive. Yes, yes. Okay, that guy. Yeah, Joni Ive. Um, he loved these old Fiats. He actually um, worked with a auction to give away restored Fiat 600 Jolly, which is kind of like it's like the Safari version of the Multipla. It's like the less utility and more funsies. Um, but yeah, so th- th- there's definitely like there's a lot of evidence adding up. Now, could it all and be circumstantial? I'll, Maybe. And I'll chime in too. You know, I, I didn't see pictures, but I saw an article somewhere that was right after the Oscars that said uh, Elon Musk and Johnny Ive were hanging out all throughout the Oscars, some Oscars after party, and they went home together at like 5 a.m. I mean, 
it looked like it was a legitimate story. I didn't see pictures, you know, it, it didn't seem like a joke, but, um, uh, you know, that would be the person to talk to if you're interested in building an electric car, right? <laughs> definitely, definitely. And, you know, I think that actually would make a good, that's a good segue into our next story, which is uh, Musk recently made some comments about the real world range of the Tesla Model 3 and how it has to be 200 miles, like, all the time. Yeah, his his statement that basically an electric car has to have a real-world driving range of 200 miles or more. I think that's a little ridiculous in my opinion. I don't know where he's getting this information from Tesla Model S owners. You know, this is a very, very specific segment of the, of the market, you know, uh, upper middle class who probably drive a lot more than a normal person. Um, or if it's from statements of non-EV owners, you know, that's, that's uh, again, a lot of people don't know what they need until they actually have a new product. Um, so for a lot of people, 80 miles is plenty, what the Nissan Leaf has. I would say you're getting, if you get into 120, 150 miles of range, that's plenty for, the, for most consumers. But yeah, if you want to have it like completely out of the debate, 200 plus, you know, okay, well, sure. Well, and I think that's what Musk is, is talking about. If you have, if you can get into your car, into your electric car, and no, for a fact, every time that it's fully charged, you have 200 miles of driving range, that's, that's going to undo range anxiety for most people. Because remember, you know, the Tesla Model S can go 265 miles, but it also costs $70,000. And I think, you know, you, you know, Zach, you, you like to bring up this point that, 80 miles is enough for most people on yeah, their I mean, daily 40 trip. And it, miles, 40 miles or 30 miles is right, the average. But, but, but what you're not taking into consideration is, you know, it's it was 16 degrees here yesterday. That 80 miles becomes 40 miles in that extreme cold weather, you know, after a few years of driving your car. So yeah, you, have no, to, I mean, you know what I mean? Well, that's what I'm saying. 84 works for a lot of people. I mean, it works for like over 100,000 leaf owners today. So, you know, it's not like that it doesn't work for people. But, but how many of those leaf owners but, also have a second car? They see, that's, that, that's, that's the thing. 80, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's 84. I mean, if you're saying 150, that's really going to work for a lot of people. I mean, I think sometimes they take it a little to the extreme with perfection. I mean, on the one hand, you can have a te okay, Tesla Model 3 with the battery prices coming down over 200 miles of, of real-world driving range for 35000 But what if Tesla also offered a $20,000 car that had 150 miles of range? How many more people would that bring in? But, but then they would be undermining their own brand. So you have to understand, Tesla is presenting itself as a premium brand. Elon Musk wants us all to drive electric cars, but I don't think a $20,000 Tesla is ever going to happen. Maybe twenty five, thirty thousand dollars, but I mean, if you really want to, if you really want to bring electric cars to the masses, and they definitely do, uh, that's that's their chief aim. Even if it re requires going out of business, you know, but, that's but what that's, he stated yeah, I think repeatedly. To um, Musk but, wants other automakers to make those cars. He yeah, doesn't necessarily but, have to make them. Well, I mean, down the road, come on, they have to have that in their vision. Down the road, if battery prices are just going to keep coming down with the experience curve, I'm just saying, you know, if you give. What's wrong with giving a couple options where you get a lot more people into electric cars who wouldn't go for thirty five thousand? You know, but I think it comes to Tesla's and Elon Musk's, you know, uh, extreme perfectionism. And I think that's a great thing that's created a great company with great products. And people now, if you have a choice between Tesla, GM, Nissan, BMW, who are you going to go with? Tesla, because they're known for high quality products, great updates. You know, this kind of great customer service. They're perfectionists. And I think that, that serves them well. But at the other hand, 
I think the statements that you need 200 miles or more are a little overblown. I disagree. I, I respectfully <laughs> disagree because I feel like, again, you have to look at where Musk is coming from. He's starting at the top and working his way down. No, so, you know what I mean? Like to I'm offer saying, that I'm 200 saying, miles of range, it makes the car practical for, for more than just getting to work. It means you can go to work and then go perform a whole bunch of errands. And when yep. you're paying that much for a vehicle, you want to be able to do as much as possible with it. But I'm saying not for Tesla. I'm saying a statement across the board for electric cars because he, he's making a statement like across the board for electric cars. And that's obviously not true if there are 100, over 100,000 people driving Nissan Leafs and Renault Zoe's. You know? um, it would be interesting to see if he had any – if there's anything to back up that statement besides just what he feels. Like, if he ha like you were saying in the beginning, has he talked to Model S owners? Has he talked to other EV owners? And like 200 miles is the number they come up with? Because you have to understand, that seems to be like what a lot of GM is going after 200 miles. Nis the next Nissan Leaf is probably going to offer at least 150 miles. Do you know what I mean? This seems to be yeah. the magic uh number. Yeah, I'm very curious where they're getting. I mean, come on. And of course, they're using an you know, a rounded number because that always sounds good. But but I I think it's partly coming from where they expect battery technology to be in a couple of years and what price, you know, what price target they're going for for the next generation of EVs today. You know, like like I said, the experience curve has shown with with scale prices come down. We're seeing that with solar, with wind. We've seen that with every type of technology. We're seeing it with battery battery prices for sure, battery technology for sure. So, you know, the next step is these, you know, 30,000 to 40,000 car, electric cars with 200 miles of range or more. But that doesn't mean battery technology stops developing. In five or 10 years, we're going to have even better battery technology. And, you know, some of the big drivers are just scaling of production and the economies of scale. So we see that with the Tesla and Panasonic Gigafactory. BYD is another big, huge player that doesn't get much attention in electric car space. And they're, they've just announced, as you've covered on EV Obsession, that they are planning their own gigafactory, just a tiny bit smaller than Tesla's. Now, that's one of the biggest statements of the year in this industry. Well, I think it's, it is important to make a distinction that they're not actually planning one single factory, but actually a multitude of factories spread out across China and Brazil that will have a combined output of just the Tesla Gigafactory, about. Um, I believe BYD expects their production capacity to be about 34 gigawatt hours uh, by 2020, whereas the Tesla Gigafactory will be at 35 gigawatt hours. Yeah, thanks for that correction. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, combined, yeah, right. It's almost exactly the same as the Gigafactory. Well, and, it, and it is still, you know, that still works out to about, you know, 450,000, 500,000 vehicles worth of batteries. Now, just between that means between Tesla and BYD, they're going to be making a million battery packs a year, which is, I don't know, probably five times the amount of battery packs being made for automobiles right now. And you know, BYD is not on the radar a lot much in the U.S. We're going to come to it in a minute and how it might be getting on the radar more. But but it is a huge player. It's it's a Chinese company, and the Chinese government is just hardcore incentivizing electric vehicles more and more and more and more and more. And BYD produces a hot plug-in hybrid electric, uh, the BYD Chen. It's, it's, a, it's selling really well right now in, in China. It also it has a number of other electric cars, fully electric cars as well. And it produces electric buses and is producing thousands of them for the Chinese market. And it's also had very successful pilot tests around the world where, it, where on a life cycle basis, it's competing with conventional diesel buses. Um, so if these things scale up, I mean, it's looking to sell a lot of electric vehicles in China, 
and around the world, buses and cars, and it has stated that it's going fully electric. It's it's not just dabbling. It's hard. It's going 100% into the electric future. Well, and you know, it really makes you wonder, like, how much did Warren Buffett know? Because BOID said they're going to go electric, they're going to go plug-in, and Warren Buffett was like, here, take my billions, and he's been investing in them. And, and even though they haven't, you know, they, they're, they're, they've been trying to come to America for a while now, it looks like it actually might happen, and when it does, like, they're going to have the production cap capacity to rival Tesla, and that's, that's something really no, uh, in terms of battery packs, that's something no other major automaker is going to have in the next five years. Yeah, and as we're speaking, it was making me think too. You know, uh, it had some big targets, and the Chinese government had some big targets. And for some reason, the Chinese market has been really slow to adopt electric vehicles, despite huge incentives and possibility. And so the Chinese government has basically just given better and better incentives. I mean, that's the thing. If it's serving the Chinese market, the Chinese government has this vision. It's going to make it happen one way or another. So BYD is going to succeed. It's almost guaranteed to succeed. Um, but, you know, the low demand in China compared to expectations may be what has been stalling BYD's expansion around the world more, too. Yeah, and I just, I, I do believe that um, BYD is set up for success. They'd have to be, try pretty damn hard to fail at this point. And one more thing before we jump into some other BYD news is, you know, we've, I visited um, this battery storage uh, technology startup, Unicos, in Berlin, and they tested a lot of lithium-ion batteries from a lot of different countries. And these batteries are very different depending on the producer. They went with Samsung. But uh, I asked about BYD specifically because of these its, its role in the electric vehicle market. And I didn't get a direct answer, but the guy was sort of made a bit of a joke about the quality of some Chinese lithium-ion batteries, but he wouldn't specifically say if they were BYD. But, you know, that there might be some limitations with uh, the long-term um, the long-term viability of, of BYD's battery technology. But, you know, so far, they've tested really well with with BYD taxis and electric buses that have driven a lot of miles, kilometers, as you might say. But jumping into the last story of the day, what's happening in Chicago? So right now, BYD is uh, teaming up with uh, ride car sharing service Uber and the city of Chicago to bring about 200 or so of the uh, aforementioned BYD E6 plug-in hybrid SUVs to city streets. And the idea is that um, Uber is going to lease these vehicles to its drivers um, for about 200 bucks a week, which sounds like a lot of money, but consider that the average Uber driver is spending about $150 a week just on gasoline, and all of a sudden it actually makes a lot more sense. Yeah, and uh, you, <laughs> you know I'm a math guy. I love that. That, I, that line was like, whoa, you know, that ends up I mean, the, the electricity costs are going to be minimal. Uh, that ends up offering potentially huge savings for these drivers. Yeah, and it's actually not a plug-in hybrid. I made a mistake. It's a fully electric vehicle, and um, it's officially rated at 187 miles uh, uh, in China, I think. But in the U.S., it's more like 127, which probably works out to, you know, 100, 110 or so at the end of the day. So in terms of being a taxi vehicle... It, it it should work, you know, but it's. It, I feel like they're definitely going to be pushing that, you know, pushing that range a lot of these taxi drivers. 
Yeah, and this was, I think this was their first uh, car, their first electric car, the E6. And uh, I mean, some of the problems with it that, you know, led to it not really selling as a consumer vehicle, uh, as I understand it, were, you know, it's got really crappy acceleration. It's like, it's really slow to get to 60, 60 miles per hour. Um, and, you know, it's not the prettiest car in the world and it's not, the, not very plush on the inside. But if you're using it as a utilitarian car to, to make money as a taxi driver, you know, it's it's very attractive vehicle. And I think and I think that may be what BYD is going for here, because uh, as you mentioned, you know, all these subsidies from the government, they've got the backing of Warren Buffett and their sales. You know, they really haven't taken off like a lot of people expected them to. And I think it's harder to sell an electric vehicle to a consumer than it is to a fleet when there's so many limitations because the guy that's buying the electric car for himself to drive every day he has to deal with those limitations but the guy buying 25 electric vehicles for his employees to use he's less concerned about that all he cares he doesn't is that give a crap money right exactly <laughs> he doesn't care how long it takes for them to get to 60 miles an hour as long as he's doing the job he intends for it to do his business is more competitive and he's making more money so i yeah, exactly i think byd's got a really bright future um I, I think it's a good time actually to, if, if you're an investing type, it might be a good time to jump in because I think there's a lot of uh, good news going to come through the pipe for it and China electric vehicles. But that's it for this week. Thanks for joining us. Check, check in next week to get your electric fix. I'm Chris Tomorrow. And I'm Zachary Shahan. Thanks for tuning in.